What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies, Freaky, and the world to come. First, let's talk about the movie Freaky. Here's a quick synopsis. Millie is a teenager living a normal life when she is stabbed by the butcher, a serial killer on the loose. And instead of dying, she mysteriously switches bodies with him. I was shocked how much I liked this movie. I'm not the biggest horror fan. I like horror movies that have a message that's more about everyday life than it is about the movie. But this movie really worked for me it's funny and at the center of the movie is a very good performance from a very well-known movie star and that movie star is Vince Vaughn and with this movie Vince Vaughn makes his triumphant return to comedy over the past few years he's been in dramas like Into the Wild, Hacksaw Ridge, Fighting with My Family and Seaberg but before that he was the king of comedies remember the big movies that Vince Vaughn was a part of old school dodgeball and the biggest hit of the them all was Wedding Crashers. I mean, his run wasn't that long, but it was memorable. He is one of the faces of comedy for me. I mean, I was raised in that era of Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, and Vince Vaughn. Those were the guys in those kind of comedies. You can add Jack Black to the list, but I would almost argue that Vince Vaughn was more successful than those other guys. I mean, he had a movie star persona. He was massive, massive, massive name. It was a big deal when he showed up in any type of role, whether it was in Anchorman and Starsky and Hutch. He was Vince Vaughn and we all knew who he was. Everyone on earth knew the name Vince Vaughn and knew what type of performance he was going to deliver. He was super consistent there for a while and then some really bad movies started to happen like Four Christmases, like Fred Claus. I didn't even like the breakup all that much. We can talk about that movie. That's an okay watch with him and Jennifer Aniston. It's an okay movie, but I think it's part of the problem. His act grew tired. I think there are two different types of comedic movie stars. I think there are the ones that go on these long runs of dominance, like Jim Carrey, like Bill Murray, like Robin Williams, and like Eddie Murphy. I mean, those guys had a long box office run of success of making comedies. And then there are those guys who shine bright for a little bit of a time. I think Chevy Chase is like that and I think that's exactly what Vince Vaughn was like he had these few movies where he was the biggest movie star on planet earth but his run as a comedic movie star did not last very long I mean Chevy Chase has the vacation movies he has Caddyshack and Fletch but his run as the biggest comedic movie star was not very long and it's the same with Vince Vaughn it was really only like a five year period of pure dominance from Vince Vaughn I say it's about from 2000 to 2005, he was the biggest comedic movie star on the planet. It's not like Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler has been a big deal in comedies for the past three decades. It has not been the same type of run for Vince Vaughn. It was bright, but it wasn't nearly as long. I would say another example like this is Mike Myers. Think about Mike Myers at one point was the biggest comedic movie star in the world. He had the Austin Powers franchise and he had the two Wayne's World 
old movies, but that Mike Myers run was not very long, and neither was Vince Vaughn. So it is really cool to see Vince Vaughn play a comedic role like the ones that made him famous. And he's really good in this movie. And this performance in this movie reminded me of Jack Black's performance in Jumanji Into the Jungle. I think it's a similar type of role. I mean, Vince Vaughn is playing a girl trapped inside a man's body. That's what Jack Black was doing in Jumanji. Both roles reminded me how funny these two men are. Jack Black is one of the funniest men on planet Earth, and so is Vince Vaughn when he wants to be. Vaughn's next projects include Queen Pins with Kristen Bell and Paul Walter Hauser, and there is talk of a possible sequel to Wedding Crashers. I love Wedding Crashers. Everything about that movie, from Vince Vaughn to Owen Wilson to Bradley Cooper to Rachel McAdams and Christopher Walken. I mean, that was really the first movie I saw Christopher Walken in, because that was the age I was when that movie came out. I was right there. I didn't know who Christopher Walken is. For the longest time, I thought Christopher Walken was a funny actor. Now I understand he's a serious Oscar-winning performer, but Wedding Crashers was my introduction to Christopher Walken. So yes, absolutely, I want a sequel to that movie. I'd also love a sequel to Dodgeball. I mean, Ben Siller is iconic in that movie. I think Vince Vaughn is great. My all-time favorite Vince Vaughn performance, though, is in Old School. That was when I realized how great Vince Vaughn is. The other star of Freaky isn't as well-known, but is somebody you should pay attention to. I'm talking about the actress Catherine Newton. She is somebody to pay attention to. She's had roles in Lady Bird, Free Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Blockers, Ben is Back, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Big Little Lies, and is set to appear in the next Ant-Man film with Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Jonathan Majors. I think she's on the verge of movie stardom, and she is asked to give a different kind of performance in this film. I mean, in Freaky at times, she has to be a normal teenage girl, and she has to play a serial killer. It is a really fun performance by Catherine Newton. With a movie like this, it's a two-hander, so both performances have to work, and why the movie works is because Vince Vaughn is really good, and so is Catherine Newton. If those two performances did not work, this movie would fall flat. Let's talk about the director of this film, Christopher Landon, who is a bit of a hit maker. He directed the two horror films, Happy Death Day, starring Jessica Roth. I absolutely love those two movies, and it's interesting that he's turning older classic films into horror. I mean, the Happy Death Day films are the horror versions of Groundhog Day, and Freaky is the horror version of Freaky Friday. So he's turning well-known classics into horror comedies, and he's doing it super effectively. I love Jessica Roth in the Happy Death Day films. That is the most underrated horror film of the last decade. I absolutely love those movies. If you have not seen Happy Death Day, do it immediately. Both of those films and Freaky share this like weird comedic tone, and I love super intense horrors like Hereditary and The Witch, but I also love comedic horror, and nobody is doing it better right now than Christopher Landon. He is making pure popcorn horror, and I mean that as a compliment. His next film, We Have a Ghost, stars David Harbour and Anthony Mackie. This is definitely a director to pay attention to. When I think of the horror directors to pay attention to, I'm talking about Ari Aster, I'm talking about Robert Eggers, and I'm talking about Jordan Peele, and I think we should also be talking about Landon. 
Landon, who right now is the absolute king of the comedic horror. Everyone loves horrors that are intense like Get Out and Hereditary, but sometimes it's fun to see the genre go in different directions, and with Freaky, it's a comedic one. The movie is what it is. There's nothing more underneath the surface. There's no deeper meaning. It's a fun movie, and that's all it's supposed to be. Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn give really fun performances. I highly recommend you check out the movie Freaky. Let's switch gears and talk about the movie The World to Come in 1850s New York. Abigail and Tally are two unhappy housewives when they meet each other and begin to form a rare and unique bond that their husbands do not approve of. I really enjoyed this movie and the reason I checked this movie out was because of who the stars of the movie are. First you have Catherine Watterson and Vanessa Kirby who are two stars on the rise. First with Watterson has been super underrated for years. She's appeared in Inherent Vice with Joaquin Phoenix. That movie is a Paul Thomas Anderson film that is maybe his most underrated film. That film also co-stars Owen Wilson, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro. Watterson gives a scene-stealing performance in Inherent Vice. Then you have Steve Jobs with Michael Fassbender, Jeff Daniels, and Kate Winslet. And in that film, Watterson plays Steve Jobs' ex-girlfriend who he has a child with but refuses to admit it's his kid. I mean, it's a heartbreaking performance given by Catherine Watterson in that one. That was the first time I noticed who Catherine Watterson was. And then she showed up in a mega blockbuster, The Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them with Eddie Redmayne. And it is because of her that I love that franchise. And that first film is my favorite movie of the Harry Potter franchises. I absolutely love that first movie. That's why I was so hyped for that sequel and was super disappointed when it didn't live up to the hype. I absolutely love the chemistry between Catherine Watterson and Eddie Redmayne in that movie. Then she showed up in mid-90s with Lucas Hedges, Logan Lucky with Channing Tatum, The Current War with Benedict Cumberbatch, Michael Shannon, and Nicholas Holt. I think the fascinating thing about Catherine Watterson is she is a real chameleon. She looks different in each and every role. She doesn't have a persona. I was talking about Vince Vaughn earlier on the podcast, and that guy has a clear persona. You know what you're going to get out of Vince Vaughn. You do not know what you are going to get from movie to movie with Catherine Watterson. She's a bit of a mystery, and that's why I find her fascinating as an actress. And in this movie, she really gets to deliver her first leading role in a significant movie. And she's great in the movie. She's the narrator. She's the heart and soul of the movie. She is the reason this movie is good. And then you have Vanessa Kirby, who is coming off of an Oscar nomination for Pieces of a Woman and is known for her work in blockbusters like the Mission Impossible franchise and Hobbs and Shaw and for her work on The Crown. She kind of reminds me of Kate Blanchett. Like, she has that presence on screen. I'm not... I say the same thing about Carrie Coon. Both of them both remind me of Kate Blanchett in that they are always the most interesting thing on screen, whether or not they have a lot to do on screen. Like, I don't think Vanessa Kirby is given a lot to do with this movie. I think the majority of the plot revolves around Catherine Watterson and Vanessa Kirby is just there, but she's still equally compelling. Watterson's next projects include the third Fantastic Beast film with Redmayne, Jude Law, and Mads Mikkelsen replacing Johnny Depp and Damien Chazelle's Babylon with Brad Pitt and Margot 
Robbie. This could be a huge year for Catherine Waters, and I have no idea if the third Fantastic Beast film is going to revive the franchise, but I have hope because they're bringing in Mads Mikkelsen. I find it interesting that two struggling franchises are both bringing in Mads Mikkelsen to save the day. The same thing for Indiana Jones 5. They're bringing in Mads Mikkelsen. We have a lot riding on Mads Mikkelsen saving both of these franchises because I love both of them. I love the Indiana Jones films and like I said, I absolutely adore Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Mads Mikkelsen, please save the day. And I don't feel like I really need to sell the movie Babylon. This is going to be the fourth movie from Damien Chazelle who's directed Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man. Catherine Watterson on screen with Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Tobey Maguire is also showing up in this movie. Please give me the movie Babylon immediately. And then for Vanessa Kirby, she is set to star in the next two Mission Impossible films with Tom Cruise. One thing I loved about this movie was seeing the different acting styles of the two male stars, Casey Affleck and Christopher Abbott. Casey Affleck is the master of subtlety. He makes being a movie star feel effortless. I mean, have you watched a ghost story? He barely does anything in that movie, yet he is the most compelling thing on screen. He barely has any dialogue. He is not a showy performer at all. Even in Goodwill Hunting, his comedic persona in that movie is so effortless. He is the most effortless actor around, and it's why he's one of my favorite actors. He is not a show Joey performance. He does not have a movie star persona. And then you have Christopher Abbott, who I feel like is almost the exact opposite, yet I equally love. He's super intense. His flame is burning up the screen with intensity. And he is so showy in this movie particularly. Like, he just consumes the movie with his intensity. You almost feel his effort. I love both of them and both of them are having great years on screen. I mean, Affleck with this and My Friend, I love both of those movies. I think Casey Affleck is one of the five best actors working today. I mean, just watch Manchester by the Sea if you want to see example of that. I just watched that for the first time in a while. I love that performance. And then Abbott this year has starred in Possessor and Black Bear. You do not know what you are going to get out of Christopher Abbott. I just find their acting styles to be so vastly different. It's fascinating to see them both on screen in the same movie. Abbott's next films include On the Count of Three with Gerard Carmichael and The Forgiven with Jessica Chastain, Ray Fiennes, and Caleb Landry Jones. In some ways, this movie, The World to Come, has a lot in common with Ammonite, a film that starred Saoirse Ronan and Kate Winslet that came out earlier this past year. I mean, both films are about two women falling in love in a time period where that was not allowed. What I find different about this movie than that one is in this movie, we kind of get an explanation as to why they fell in love. Both of these characters played by Catherine Watterson and Vanessa Kirby both want people to pay attention to their needs other than them just playing the role of a housewife. Their husbands could have fixed this problem. They could have been the ones who were there for their wives. I think these two women were looking for basically anyone to give them the time of day. They wanted a relationship that had an emotional element to it and once they got that, that relationship became irreplaceable to them. 
it could have been filled by their husbands. I find it really weird where we are with period piece dramas. So it feels like we're either doing one of two things with these type of movies. We are either making a pure adaptation of something and making it feel as real as possible like we did with Little Women, like we did with this movie. I think we did that with The Phantom Thread. Like those movies feel like they are in that time period. And then with other things like The Great and The Favorite, we are mocking those kind of period piece dramas. We are having characters talk in a dialogue like they are from today. Particularly in The Great and Dickinson. I love the show Dickinson starring Haley Steinfeld. She is living in a time period where they do not have parties, they do not drink, and they do not listen to rap music. Yet, they are doing that on that show. That show is making you feel like you are more relatable to those characters. Like, there are times when you're watching a movie like The World to Come and you go, well, I'm not living in this time period. Why should I care about what's going on? But then you watch something like Little Women and it's super relatable no matter what time period it is. I feel like we're in this weird point where a period piece is either winking to the audience by having the main characters talk like they are from our time period or having them talk like they are from the old times. And I find both methods kind of confusing at times. I just watched the movie A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger and those characters are talking like they are from today's world. I mean, you watch a movie like Marie Antoinette with Kirsten Dunst. You watch a movie like A Knight's Tale. You watch Emma starring Anya Taylor-Joy. These characters are winking at the audiences like talking like they are one of us. They are not talking like characters from their own time period. And then you watch a movie like The World to Come and they are all living and talking like they are from 1850s New York. In a simpler way of putting things, a movie like this is being faithful to the time period where the movie is set while other projects like I mentioned are making you feel like the characters are living in our time period. This movie The World to Come does not have any sense of humor whatsoever about the simplicities of how life used to be. It is 100% dead serious about what these characters are going through and I like that to a certain degree but I also love those characters that wink at you and go yeah we don't live in these simpler times anymore there are rap music there is computers we talk in this certain way A World to Come is a very good movie but I would not describe it as fun while I would describe all those other projects as being fun to watch I mean Dickinson is a riot The Great is the funnest TV show on the planet right now I love those shows Emma is a fun movie Little Women is a fun movie I think there's a way you can have a faithful adaptation of something from a long time ago and still make it fun to watch. Why this movie is worth watching is because of the compelling performances given by movie stars. I mean, Catherine Watterson is a movie star. Vanessa Kirby is on the verge of being a movie star. Casey Affleck is a big movie star. Christopher Abbott is on the verge of being a movie star. Those are the reasons to watch this movie, but I don't think you're going to watch this movie and go to yourself, that was a really enjoyable film. And I feel the exact same way about Ammonite. Both of these movies are faithful portraits of what it was like to live in those time periods. And they are meaningful and they are emotional and they are good watches. They are worth watching, but they are not fun. I'm not saying that they should be fun. I'm just saying they're not going to get a wide audience because of the way that they are made. Both movies are worth it because of the message they are sending to other people. I'm just saying that these type of films are not going to get a wide 
wide audiences like those other films are because they lack entertainment value. I feel like when people watch a movie for two hours, they want to be entertained. And I think you will, you will think a lot about this movie, but I'm not certain you're going to watch this movie like you would have watched Freaky and say, wow, that was pure entertainment. I think it's meaningful. I definitely think it's worth watching. The look of the movie is majestic, especially the snowstorm scene with Catherine Watterson's character. I really like this movie. I think it's a meaningful watch, and I highly recommend you check out the movie, The World to Come. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and this week I put the spotlight on the movies Freaky and The World to Come. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the career of actor Matthew McConaughey and James Gunn's The Suicide Squad starring Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman and Viola Davis. So tune into that and please rate, review and subscribe. <laughs>